As we get started this morning, I want to ask you a question. Did we come to Jesus to get something or to give something? Did we come to Jesus to get something or to give something? Now, if you're a believer here this morning, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I I think it's fair to say that the very beginning of your relationship with Jesus, it was all, all about getting something. It was all about getting forgiveness. It was all about getting reconciliation. It was all about getting your life together. It was all about, you know, getting filled that vacuum that is inside of you. It was, it was all about getting that at the, at the very beginning. But over time, but over time, if you're a believer here this morning, over time, you know that the relationship with Jesus isn't just about getting something. That something starts to happen, that something starts to transfer this notion that I am to give something. Now, if you're not a believer, if you're just checking out church, if you're just trying to figure this whole Christian thing or this Jesus thing out, you know, if, if, if you're here because you want to get something, okay? There's, there's something that you think you're possibly missing in your life, and, and you've thought about Jesus as a potential to get something in your life that you feel that you're missing, okay? And in fact, people who are not church people, people who are not, you know, you know, Christians or believers, they look at believers when they give something and go, man, they got to be crazy. Look what they're giving and look at who they're giving it to. Don't you know that all they want is to take your money, right? Isn't that the kind of idea that gets, that gets propagated? But if you're a believer here this morning, if you, if you follow Jesus in any period of time, any length of time, it may originally have been about getting something. And once you've gotten it, you've realized that Jesus demands more of you as time goes. It means that we give of our, of our worship, of ourselves, of our time, of our resources, that that is part of what it means to grow in Christ-likeness. I love that passage in the gospel, when the gospels, where Jesus comes up to the shoreline and sees these men fishing and says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of, yeah, you know, we often think that that's a passage all about getting But it's actually a passage where Jesus says, when he says, come and follow me, what he's actually saying, give me your entire lives. Give me everything you are. Surrender everything that you have to me. And I will make you something greater than you already are. And we treat that passage as a whole passage about getting, when in fact, what Jesus is originally asking them to follow means I need you to give to me everything that you are. So as part of our Vision 2020 
This is the last in the series on our Vision 2020. This is part four of our Vision 2020. And I just want to recap a little bit about why this message is so important. And for those of you that are just getting engaged in this whole series, we're talking about Vision 2020. And this is what Vision 2020 is. It is what do we need as a church to have in place or in process by the year 2020 to not only survive as a church, but to thrive as a church. We, I'm, I'm not interested in surviving. I don't know about you. I'm not interested in surviving. I don't want to just survive this life. I want to thrive in this life. I want to feel alive. I want to feel that living is worth it. I want to feel that I'm making a difference in my life. I want to feel like you know, there's a purpose greater than my little world in this life because there's so much going up in this world. And if we believe the gospel is that powerful, we believe the gospel is that important, and if we believe that we can change the world, we can change the world. If you think the trajectory of the world is going in the right way, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, <laughs> but you know, you, know, you know what I'm saying. There's just, there's just a certain level of un- uncomfortableness. So this is the last part of our vision statement as, as we go. And, and let me recapture again the four parts of our vision statement. Here are... Um, what we've already gone through. The very first statement is we want to reach more people near and far. So it doesn't matter where it's here or if it's people that are being uh, touched by the live stream that we're doing or people that we partner with as missionaries somewhere else. We want to make a difference in people's lives wherever that we possibly can and reach more people with the gospel. Secondly, we want to become a community where people not only serve grudgingly, this is not slavery, Okay, this is serving and thriving, a place where you can, you know, use your gifts as God has entrusted to you and use them in a very positive way. Third is to grow deeper in our relationship with Christ, you know, um, that we, we grow deeper, not just wider. It's important to, to learn about truth, okay? Spiritual growth is nothing more than replacing lies with truth, That's all spiritual growth really is. And number four, this is the one we're dealing with today, become more generous and committed, okay? To become more generous and committed. So that's a really important part. Now, we've been showing you kind of little icons and uh, reach, become, grow. This is the one for give that we're going to have. And you're going to see these very soon in the church and you're going to know what this is all about. You're going to see, when you see these kind of pictures, you're going to know this is all about our vision statement. We're about reaching, becoming, growing, and giving. Okay? And it's a circle, right? We reach, we become, we grow, we give. We reach, we become, we grow, we give. We reach, we become, we grow, we give. And it's this beautiful kind of relational pattern that we have as part of the church. All right? You guys got that? Okay. Good enough. All right. So let me, let me read a passage to you, and then we're going to dive into this whole generosity question, this whole generosity. Why is it that we pick generosity? And this comes out of the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah is showing all these life contrasts. And he comes to this particular passage and showing all the difference between how people live. And then he says this, but, but generous people plan, I love that word, plan, to do what is generous, and they stand firm 
and their generosity. Now, that's the New Living Translation version of the word generous. Now, if you go to any older versions or maybe other versions, the word that you're going to find there is not the word generous. The word is noble. That this a noble person stands in their nobility and plans to be noble. Now, in the context of the Isaiah passage, the Hebrew word there has, has this beautiful picture of a person and the character qualities that this person has. First of all, because the NLT has translated generous, I would, in my mind, that they've done the right thing in using the term generous because that is the heart of what this passage is about. They're talking about a person who is large of heart. They have a large heart towards other people. Their character quality is such as they are willing to give to others because they recognize the generosity of God in their life. That is the definition, a Hebrew definition of the verb, of the word navid, nadim, um, of this term called nobility. So, this is what Isaiah is pointing to, a person who is large of heart. Now, I love that terminology. If you've ever met someone who's large of heart, we, we, what, what do we say? We say they're a person that would give their shirt off their back. That's a person that you've already identified who is large of heart. Okay? And that's what a generous person in the Bible... And, a noble person is of the Bible. So if we're going to talk about generosity, as we've done with all the other passages and messages up to date, we've always done a section called the painful reality, all right, about the culture that we're part of. If we're going to reach more people, if we're going to be a community, there's certain tensions. If we're you know, going to grow deeper in our faith, there are certain tensions. There are painful realities about being a generous church about what is happening in our world that makes it a difficult thing to do today. Here are the painful realities. Number one, money not only talks, it demands and shouts. No longer does money just talk. It demands of us and it shouts. Jesus said that you could not worship two masters. Money Okay, resources or God. That there's a tension there, all right? And money, by, by the way, money and God demand the same kind of worship, by the way. Do you realize that demands that money puts on you to love money has the same demands of obedience that God puts on us in terms of serving him? Because we think we have you know, in many, in many circles, we think we have uh, rulership over money. Often it rules over us, and it demands and enslaves us. So it's something that we have to be careful of, all right? I'm not saying everyone struggles with this, but I'm saying this is generally what happens in the culture, and it's one of the things we have to be aware of. Secondly of all, when it comes to money, greed and fear look and act identical, I'm, I'm of the opinion that when a person looks greedy, often it's really fear that's behind it. 
uh, fearful of what if I don't have enough for my family? What am I going to do about the future? What, you know, how, you know, and, and we can, you know, treat them to, as being guilty of having greed, but, at, but in reality, it could very much be fear because we live in a culture where it becomes more expensive every year to live just to do the basics. And, and how do you, you know, how many, how many working poor do we have today? They're actually working, but it's hard to maintain any kind of a lifestyle. And there's, there's a legitimate fear there. And when you talk about being generous, there's, there's a reality. There's an absolute reality there. And, and, that's, and, and that happens. You know, as, as I've said many times, I've never had somebody come into my office and say, Pastor, help me. Um, I struggle with greed. Okay? Greed is one of those things that's very, very easy to hide as well. All right? So um, that's a very fine line between greed and fear. And it's something you really have to wrestle with. But I think for a majority of the people, we can treat them as being guilty. But in essence, at the very heart of it is this fear of what about the future? How am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to support my family? And, they're, and those are legitimate fears. Can we just say that? It's legitimate fears? All right? I have a few tests to, to figure out if the person really is greedy or if it's fear. But I'm not going to get into it right now, okay? Um, sorry about that. Here's number three. Uh, debt is the fastest way to bump up our standard of living, okay? I'm just old enough to remember... Um, putting stuff away on layaway. Okay? All right, I am just old enough. Just. No, my dad, actually my parents told me about it. Um. But isn't it true, right? We don't, we don't save up for anything anymore. Okay? We don't, we don't say, this is going to take me five years or ten years or whatever. The fastest way to bump up your standard of living is to go into debt. Okay? Am I talking about a mortgage? Not necessarily. But be careful of the mortgage, right? Anyway, okay? But the fastest way you bump up your standard of living, right? You can, you can buy a car today on eight-year loan. Like, that was unheard of when my dad told me about the time when... <laughs> What do you mean, nice try? <laughs> right? Okay? But that's the fastest way to bump up our standard of living. And it's the fastest way that people get in trouble. Can we just say that, please? And, and admit it? All right, here's the next one. Culture creates two huge tensions. A push towards busyness and debt and a pull away from contentment. You don't hear much about contentment nowadays. Everything in our culture pushes us to be discontent with what we have, what we do, who we are, all of those kinds of things. We live in a culture, in, in, a, very, um, in a very simple word, we live in a culture of more. It's all about more, 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 more. And, and there isn't this line of contentment, right? It's all about more, all right? So that's basically all that's saying. So if you're busy enough, we're being pushed to be busier, Okay, 
And, um, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a person's favorite response today, isn't it? How are things busy? What, what does that mean? Okay? If you've got four kids at home, I get that. Okay? Right? Two kids at home. You know, whatever. Busy. Right? Here's the, here's the next one. Worth nowadays is defined by stuff, not by people. Okay? It's all about our stuff. We don't define our lives, the value of our lives, by the people who love us. Uh, you guys, you guys with me? You guys okay? All right, you know. My, my, my favorite example of this, and, and, and it's kind of like a side thing of this, I, I love after Christmas what happens, that it's announced that it was a really good Christmas uh, because the retail stores had a good year. And that's my, my definition of a good Christmas, I'm sorry, Right? It's like if the turkey's burnt, then it's not a very good Christmas. Like, <laughs> I couldn't give a rip if... No, anyway, let's not get it. Yeah, well, you guys know what I'm saying, right? Okay? That doesn't define a good Christmas to me as if all the stores had more sales and Amazon just kicked Google out of the... Anyway... Worth is defined by stuff, not by people. It's about who loves you, all right? Last one. Generosity is a spiritual matter, not a time or financial one. Okay? Generosity has to do with your heart. It has nothing to do with the amount of time you have or the amount of finances you have. Okay? You can be generous in any stage of your life, period. Period. Okay? Generous is all about your heart, all about your spiritual condition. That's, that's it. Okay? So, here are, here are some points about, about being, becoming more generous and committed. Number one, when we talk about the Bible, the Bible generosity exists in three different spheres. Are you generous with your resources? Are you generous with your time? And here's the third one that the Bible always talks about generosity. Are you generous with your love? Okay, when we're talking about generosity, I don't want you to think just about the money component. Okay, even though, even though for many people, that's the greatest tension in their life. Next would probably be time. But let's be honest, love is one of those tension areas that we don't like talking about because we're very comfortable loving those people that are the closest to us. Sometimes it's a love-hate relationship, <laughs> you know. But that's, that's where we define love, where the Bible defines love as your neighbor, equal to yourself, okay? So we're talking about three spheres of generosity that demands us to be large at heart, a noble person. Here's the next thing. I want you to take inventory, and I want you to take inventory of your heart. Take inventory of your heart. It's really important. Where, where do I lack in generosity? Why do I lack in generosity? And what can I do this week to change it? For some of you, it's got nothing to do with money. That's easy. 
For some of you, it's got everything to do with the time you spend, where you spend it, or the way that you express love. Sometimes you're large at heart in one area, but not large at heart in the other areas. And the Bible demands that we grow in every area of life. We just don't ignore one area because we're uncomfortable with it. So can you be large at heart in every one of those areas of your life? And for some of you, one's going to be really harder than the other. Okay? Um, Number three, the antidote to materialism is generosity. If you struggle with materialism, um, you know, the Bible teaches that a spirit, a heart of generosity will help you manage your difficulty with materialism. All right, let me keep going. Here's the next one. When we are generous, here's the thing. When we are generous, the world takes notice. The world takes notice. And I'm not talking about someone who's on TV and wants people to give so they can buy another Learjet. That's the wrong kind of take notice. Okay? But in times of difficulty, in times of struggle, in times when people gather together, it's amazing when God's people come around and become generous and lift other people up how important that becomes and how that touches the hearts of other people. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Okay? And it means something because it says to the world around that we put our money where? No. Don't be sorry. I did that in... T- I, you know what? I, I lured you off the edge of the cliff. I did that in... T- no, no you, you're right. That's the saying. Put your money where your mouth is, right? Bible teaches put your money where your heart is. Because what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. So you're, you're actually right in saying that. <laughs> okay? But that's the distinction, What comes out of your heart comes out of your mouth, both negatively and positively. But when we are generous, the world takes notice. Here's here's the last thing. Give. Oh, okay. All right, there was one more point, but I want want to say it anyway. um, You often hear give, save, save. Live on the rest, okay? I don't like the word save, by the way. I don't think the Bible says to save. What, what the saying should be is to give first, invest second, live on the rest. I don't like the word save. I don't think the Bible teaches to save. I believe that the Bible teaches to invest. That you don't, you don't just bury it you invest it. You multiply it. Right? Remember the parable where they buried and Jesus said, I wanted you, 
Why didn't you get any interest with what I gave you? Okay? Um, I know that's all about, uh, many times that parable is taught about spiritual gifts, but that's the whole point. Generous with your love. Generous with your resources. Generous with your time. And what you do is you invest those things for a greater result afterwards. And we often think it's just about money. But as a church, we invest our love in other people so it multiplies in their heart towards other people the beauty and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love should multiply. Time should multiply. Resources should multiply. That's why I say give first, invest second. Live on the rest. Okay? That's, that's why I say. All right. Can, can we do a, a generosity challenge? All right. I'm going to give you five areas where, depending on where you are in your life, I'm going to give you five areas of, you know, where to work and how to become more generous in your own life. And they all start with T. So the first one is to track it down, okay? What I'm talking about tracking it down, some of you could really use budgeting, could really budget, right? Some of you could really begin to kind of track where your money's going. It's amazing to me when, when I sit down and talk to people how little they know about their own finances, all right? Sometimes you just need a reality picture just to know where you are. Let's, let's be honest, Okay, a budget, by the way, tells you where uh, you want your money to go as opposed to the money telling you where it went. Okay, Um, so track it down is the very first thing. Some of you just need to track it down, right? Um, And you can get all kinds. You know what? You got these. Where's my cell phone? Oh, I was going to show you my finance app. Where I'm trying, are you, how many are you tracking finances on, on your cell phone? No good cell phone? No? Why, did you walk by a store and you had your Apple Pay and it went cling and you just bought a whole bunch of stuff and you didn't even know it? Or, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Boy, that's a small percentage. That's a really... Are you that fearful of them? No? Okay, okay. All right. You're losing out on... Oh, I, I just feel like I just... Wow. That's a really... I, I was expecting half of you to say you're using some kind of tracking app of all your expenses. Okay, you guys are... Oh, paper. Paper. Ah... Paper. Yeah. What does that look like? Oh, no. <laughs> Paper, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, so the paper doesn't do it on its own. Ah, you need a pen. Okay. Oh, this is going south really fast. Oh, man, no time. Oh, wow. Let's go to number two. 
Uh, yeah, trim it out. Trim it out. How many of you have ever done a spending fast? Have you ever fasted from spending money? <laughs> for, a, for a day when I had the flu. <laughs> and I couldn't get out anyway. Have you ever yeah, done a, a spending fast where you said, I am not buying anything personal for the next six months? Have you ever done that? Three months? One month? You ever done? Yeah. Have you ever, you ever done a spending fast? Or, or, or you, don't, you don't? Wow. You know, I force, I force my students um, who take spiritual disciplines at the, at the college, I force them to take... A, a month fast from something financial, but they have to they have to do that as part of the course. And I it, it's it's almost it's almost strange that I make my students do it, but I don't make you do it. I'm not. Yeah, thank you. That's that's a that's a that's a challenge. You know, devoted to prayer. You know that that's one of the things that we do. We say you know take this. Whatever this, this fast is. And for you'd be surprised how many of the students fast from social media, for instance. Because that's a big part of their lives. They, they fast from social media. And instead, dedicate the time, because now your phone will tell you how long you've spent on it. And they take that time and they devote it to prayer. Amen. You know? And, and here, here all the time, the results are, 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 are big. But have you ever tried a... a Spending fast. That's that's a tough because we think it's all about just food. Okay? And you know what? You you may be on the edge of burnout too, by the way. You may you know this whole thing about busyness is your entire life. Right? Maybe you need a you know a a time fast to just take the time and just park. That's okay. But there's time, think of, when we say trim it out, think of times in your life where you're hitting the wall, whatever it is, and you just decide to fast from that particular thing and take a break. Spend it in prayer, spend it in reading, you know, those kinds of things. But we think the busyness, you know, we think we're so important that if we're gone for a month or gone for a week, that everything's going to fall apart. It may to some degree, but the bottom's not going to fall out. And if, the, and if the bottom does, you should be running the country. Right? Trim it, trim it out, okay? Top it up, top it up. All right? For some of you here this morning, um, you, you know, um, you, you need to give more. You need to just find a place to give more. Okay? Can I challenge you? If you're giving to agencies outside the church more than you're giving to the church, there's something wrong there, by the way. Can I just say that out loud? And that's now on tape. That's now recorded. Okay? There's something fundamentally wrong there. Sorry. Okay? If this, if this is home for you, okay? Um, you, you know, in terms of topping it up, you may think that uh, giving's a percentage, okay? Top it up one more percent for six months. See what happens, okay? That's, 
That's something to, to consider. Or, or maybe you're supporting, you know, a missionary or something and, and you know, top it up. If, if that's an area of struggle for you, you know, deal with it, right? Go right for the juggler and, and top it up. Okay, here's number four. Take the test. This is my tangible way of saying to you that I asked you the question at the very beginning, did you come to Jesus to get something? Or did you come to Jesus to give something? Okay? Take the test. Ask yourself that question. Am I giving back to Jesus all that I have received from him? And, it, and you know what? You may be very, very happy with that, and that's okay. All I'm saying is to take the test. Is my life balanced out, even though I don't believe 100% in balance, but, you know, am I just getting something totally? Am I taking any opportunity to give back in one way or another that honors God? All right? Here's the last one. Turn up the volume. Turn up the volume. What I mean by turn up the volume is in terms of your love for God. Are you communicating that? Are you sharing the love of Christ? Are you a great example of what it means to be a joyful believer? A person who is, you know, has recognized what you have received from Jesus and are openly giving back because of it. That's a generous heart as well. It, are, you know, do you turn the volume up on love, on faith, on seeing people through God's eyes? Those are the areas that I think challenge us when it comes to generosity. When it comes to generosity. I want to put one last thing up here for you. Um, You hear all the time that we live in a country where we are really, compared to the rest of the world, we are really quite fortunate, very fortunate. If you go to this website, globalrichlist.com, and you put in your income level, it'll tell you where you stand, like what your number is compared to everyone else in the world. And let me, let me tell you, it's, it's scary because you're going to find out you're within the top 15% of the entire world. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those websites that kind of puts in perspective what we're talking about this morning. See, here at Village Green, we want you to thrive not just as a human being, but as a believer in Jesus Christ. And sometimes we can put ourselves in a situation where we are saying, Lord, we haven't gotten enough from you. When the Lord is really looking at us and saying, have you given me everything that you are?
that obedience precedes blessing. That obedience precedes blessing. God wants to bless you, but he wants to see your heart and your life be large and generous. Now, for some of you, you're already there. There's, there's none of this that, that you know, is going to be meaningful for you in any way, shape, or form because you've done the inventory. You've asked yourself, my life is this, and it can't be any more. You know, you may, you may have a young family at home. You know, I've got to tell you, messages like this make, make me cringe because the last thing I want is, is young, young parents with young kids at home to hear this in the midst of, you know, some very difficult challenges of having young kids at home, right? Can I just say that's a whole other season of life and that's okay that your time is being invested in children to the honor and the glory of God and that's okay. That's part of the, that's part of the generosity. That's part, you know what I'm saying? Is that okay? Can we say that? All right? All I'm saying, all I'm saying, here are the biblical principles. Please apply them to your life and be open in your own heart and be open in your own life and apply them as you see fit and be honest and ask God to direct you. If there's areas of your, your life that God is asking you to be more generous. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this series. As we conclude with wanting to be more generous. Lord, we hear the Apostle Paul say that it's better to give than to receive. And it was just a very simple statement he made to a church that was already giving so much. He was just reminding them about what happens in our lives when we become people with large hearts. Lord, expand our horizons. Expand our abilities to give from a large heart, to give our resources, to give our time, and most of all, to give our love because we want to be large-hearted people like Jesus. Lord, thank you for this vision. Thank you for the leadership and the number of people who were part of this. And Lord, I pray, I, I, I pray that each and every one of us will long to serve you from a large heart and to see us thrive in North America as churches because we have taken seriously what it means to follow Jesus. So Lord, as we surrender, as we give, we thank you for all that we receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen.